morning, family. Glad you're here today. Today is a very special day. Today is the day of ordination. And um, it is our desire that ordination should not be separated from the preaching of the word, but rather attended by it. And so at the end of the preaching this morning, we will uh, immediately therein begin our ordination uh, service, um, which will be followed by communion and the end of our worshiping together. Um, this morning, with the preaching of the word attending the ordination, there is a sense in which, in a very special way, uh, today's sermon, though it is for all of us, is especially for our elder candidates who are being ordained this morning, uh, much in the way that you would attend a wedding, and a, in a good Christian gospel wedding, the gospel will be proclaimed to all, but there is a very special sense in which the wedding sermon is for the betrothed who are being joined together on that day. And so, in a very special sense, today's sermon is, is a charge uh, to those who are going to be ordained today. It is a charge to those who are already ordained, and it is a charge to those who will one day be ordained. And each time that we come to a day like today as a body, like when we come to a wedding, we are reminded and challenged afresh in the vows that we have made before God. And so this morning as we journey through the word together, though there is a special sense in which this is for the ordained, it is also for all of us. For the things that will be proclaimed today are things that all of us need to know and things that apply to us as well as to those who lead. Amen? This morning I'm going to invite you to grab your Bibles and turn uh, first to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to read together our text for this morning. is going to be Matthew 24 verses 45 through 51. And we'll read these verses together. And at the end of that reading, I will say that this is the word of the Lord and invite you at that time to respond um, truly in worship and gratefulness by saying thanks be to God uh, for his word. Amen. Matthew 24, we're going to read verses 45 through 51 together. Let's begin. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a strong... Joel, Joel is nervously laughing. This is a strong and important challenge. 
Notice the wording that Jesus uses here when he talks about a master having set a servant over his household to give them their food at the proper time. We're about to go through the rest of Matthew 25 together. And in Matthew 25, we see Jesus repeating uh, 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 an idea of a master leaving and, and coming back. And here he is instructing his disciples. They actually asked him to tell them about the end. And he's beginning to tell them about how he is about to leave. And as he leaves, he's going to give gifts to his people. He's going to put some of them over other ones to look after them, to oversee them, to watch over them. And he gives strong and stark warnings to these disciples that they must remain Vigilant, 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 and watchful and alert. And not only that, there is not just a a caution, but a very strong warning that if one of these servants who is meant to be watching over the household of the master were to abuse that role because of the delaying of the return of the master. He says that when the master comes, he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is it no wonder then that James, in writing his letter to the church, would say, not many of you be teachers. For there is a higher standard by which you will be judged. And this is a call to anyone throughout the church age who has been placed in a role of having charge over God's people, that those who are in that office, who are in that role, would remain alert. That they would remain watchful, not just watching over the people, but looking for the coming of the Lord. Expecting the coming of the Lord. Expecting His return. Well, what about the rest of the household? Well, the rest of the household should also be watchful for the return of the Master, expecting His return, excited for Him to come. I'll pick on you a little bit this morning. As we sing this glorious song, It Is Well, most of you still had resting Baptist face. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. Church, we should be so expectant, so hopeful for the coming of our Lord that singing words like that should enliven us. And that doesn't mean that if we sing that song, you've got to plaster a fake smile on your face. I'm not saying that. 
But I'm asking you to take an inventory of your own heart and ask, am I still waiting for the Lord? Am I hopeful for His return? Am I expectant for it the way that a child is waiting for their father or their mother to return home from work or from a trip? Parents, you've been there. You come through the door and it's daddy or mommy and they come running. Why? Because the whole time you've been gone, they've been waiting for you to come home. Why? Because children long to be with their father. Children long to be with their mother, to be together. Are we expectant for the return of our Lord? Are we expectant for Him to come, for us to be united together with God in such a way that, that the already not yet is done away with and we exist in the here and now of the kingdom of God? Do you think about it? When you are struggling to go to sleep at night, are you thinking about that instead of counting sheep? You should. When you're in the midst of great sorrow, it is that return of Christ that should cause us to not mourn like the rest of the world mourns. But rather, to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. For He is returning. I want you to see how Jesus drives this point home of being watchful and vigilant as He continues here in Matthew 25. I'm going to continue to read here. And we get two different parables, the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents. Perhaps you are uh, familiar with these. Look at Matthew 25. Jesus continues with this same theme as he continues about the parable of the ten virgins. He says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. And five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil, no extra oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, wisely, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Jesus continues, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour, speaking of his return. 
And so here Jesus tells another story. This time it's about ten virgins and they all have, each have a lamp and they know that the bridegroom is going to be coming. There's a, a wedding feast that's going to take place. And, you know, there's no Netflix back then. No bowling alleys or movie theaters to go to. The, the, the thing to do was the wedding. Man, when a wedding was happening, that was the event. And you did not want to miss it. Why? Well, because there were delicacies that you would not get any other place except at the wedding feast. There was relationship that could happen and connections that could be made, especially for the case of ten virgins who would like to be married one day. This was the event for them. But we see that five were foolish and five were wise. The ones who were wise are called wise because they did not know the hour that the bridegroom was coming, but only that he would come. And so they took along with them extra oil so that if he should be delayed so long that their lamp would go out, they would have extra oil in order to put in their lamp so that when they came to the door of the house that the feast was happening in and the Lord of the feast came to the door, what would happen is they would lift up their lamps to their faces so that they could be illuminated and that they could be allowed in because when they were illuminated, they would know, oh, I know this person. They're an invited guest. Enter into the joy of my master. How important then was that oil so that their lamp could be burning? Throughout the ages, many people have tried to allegorize what the oil is and what the lamp is and how you can be this or do that. But there's, this is a parable. And as a parable, there is one basic meaning here. And it is simply this. When the bridegroom has already arrived, it is too late to prepare. When the bridegroom has already arrived, it is too late to prepare. Notice the closing of the door. You can't help but almost remember as you read that animals, seven clean animals coming and two unclean, two by two they came and they entered into the ark which was the place of safety. And when all those that God had called entered the ark, what did God do? God shut the door. Here we see the door being shut again and the warning being given that by the time you notice that the bridegroom has come, the master has come, the king has come, if you have waited until then to get ready, you are too late and you will be locked out. And it's a wedding feast. What is this wedding feast? It is the wedding feast of Christ taking unto himself his bride that he has washed by the water of the word, sanctified and made holy for himself without spot or blemish 
whom he will receive unto himself on the last day. Jesus goes on and tells another story. What is this all about? Three stories in a row. He is driving the point home. Be watchful. Be alert. The master may be gone for a time, but he will return. And so he tells another story that begins to let us know the kind of waiting that we should have. It's not a passive waiting, but an active waiting. Listen as Jesus continues. For it will be, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made Five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice we have moved from the place at the end of Matthew 24. In Matthew 25, we're not simply talking about those who have oversight over the household, but now we're talking about all the servants of the Master, calling us to be wise and vigilant, watchful and waiting. And now, in the waiting, we're called to a particular kind of waiting. It's not a waiting like in a waiting room where we just sit back and wait for things to happen but rather acknowledging that in His departure, Christ has given unto us gifts, 
gifts to the church that are meant to be utilized and used and, and, and put into use for the good of the kingdom. Why? Because Jesus is reigning now. He is king now. The kingdom is here and it is among us. And we are meant to be waiting for him, actively employing the gifts that he has given. So that when he returns, there will have been an exponential increase of the kingdom that he left entrusted into his servants' hands. Our waiting is meant to be an active waiting. And so now the questions of inventory continue. Are you waiting? Are you expecting the return of the Master? Are you doing that in such a way that you are being led in places of wisdom rather than foolishness, not just waiting till he shows up and hoping to kind of just get ready on the spot. We, we know, as he says in Matthew 24 earlier, once you see the buzzard circling, it's too late. And not only that, as you are waiting, are you waiting like the first two servants? as stewards of what God has placed in your hands, whether that be time or talent or treasure, finance, ingenuity, creativity, intellect, strength, youth, age, marriage, Singleness, with children, with barrenness, in much and without? Are you taking every good gift that has come down from the Father of lights as a gift from Him, not to be spent upon yourself alone, but to be utilized for the good and the increase of the kingdom. This is the call. That we would set our minds on things above and not on earthly things. Recognizing that even in the earthly matters that God has caused us to be a part of, that for us, it's more than just earthly matters. Our work, our rest, is all for the Lord and for His kingdom. Are you expectant? Are you hopeful? Are you ready? And are you active? Or are you like the slothful, lazy servant whose gift was taken from him and given to another, burying the things that God 
has placed into your hands and not employing them for His kingdom. Jesus finishes these three stories and then He gets down to the nitty-gritty. And in verse 31 of chapter 25, He says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and it's like, as if He's saying, so this is what this is really about. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, curse, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you, hungry or thirsty? Or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did it not, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The title of our series over the last several weeks has been Elders, Jesus shepherds his church. Jesus shepherds his church. And here we can see the shepherd, the king, doing what shepherds do, separating the sheep from the goats. Church, Jesus is coming back. 
Jesus is coming back and He is coming back to judge and to reward. To those who were ready, hopeful, expectant, actively waiting for His return because they were sheep, they will be shepherded into reward, into joy, into hope, into glory. But those who are not will be shepherded into judgment, into torment, into hell. This is heavy stuff. And Jesus calls us to keep this at the forefront of our minds. Why? Because Thus far, he has delayed over 2,000 years. And like the virgins in the parable of the ten virgins, with the delay of the bridegroom, some, not just some, all. How many virgins fell asleep? All ten virgins fell asleep. Both the wise and the foolish This is why we need, we need those who Jesus talked of in Matthew 24 who are set over the household to give their food at the proper time. To week in and week out ring the bell of the word of God and say, wake up, wake up, be alert. Be vigilant. Come, eat. Don't waste away. The time is now to come and receive from the table of the Lord. Look at Luke chapter 12, 35 through 40. In a different place, Jesus talking to his disciples and again, talking about lamps. In verse 35 of Luke chapter 12, he says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service. Who is he talking about here? Who is Jesus referring to here? He's referring to the master. He's saying that when the master comes and he finds the servants waiting for him, their lamps lit, opening the door the moment he knocks, he says that the master will come in and will dress him uh, his own self for service. He will dress himself for service. 
and have them. Who's them? It's the servants. He will have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. He will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Meaning if he could come at any time of the night, but when he comes, those who are found faithful, he himself will dress himself for service. He will have them recline at the table and he, Christ, the master, the king, the bridegroom, will condescend yet again to serve His people. But know this, verse 39, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And what a day that will be. Read about it with me in Revelation chapter 7. And listen as John describes what he is allowed to see by Christ. Beginning in verse 9 and reading through verse 17. It says, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? It's Christ. It's the Lamb who was slain. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now haven't we seen a scene like this before? We saw a scene like this before when the Lamb was being led to the slaughter on the back of a colt that had never been ridden as people laid down their garments and palm branches. And what did they sing on that day? Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what does Hosanna mean? Hosanna means, come save now, Lord. Come save now, Lord. But the song has changed. The song has changed and now the people of God are not saying, come save us, Lord. What are they singing? They're singing, salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord, to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Why? Because the Lamb who was led to the slaughter and was slain was resurrected in victory and glory and stands now at the right hand. He's seated now at the right hand of the Father ruling 
and reigning. Because the lamb who was slain is the lion, the king of the tribe of Judah. The same one who walked in the cool of the mist of the garden. The same one who met Abraham, who spared Lot, who from himself, from the rock, brought water in the wilderness, who was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, who covered Noah and his family and protected them in the ark is the same one who will draw all his people through the cross and shut the door and carry them through judgment into glory. Jesus, the Lamb, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. What are they saying Amen to? They're saying Amen to what the people are singing. They can't help but say, Yes, so it is. And they continue and they say, Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, and this is, he's speaking to John, saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? It's almost as if he's voicing the very inner thoughts that John himself must have had as he's witnessing this spectacle. I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It's interesting how throughout the New Testament this idea of washing will, will, will keep transferring from the God who washed them and they who washed themselves. And, and there's this idea that's happening that where God himself is washing them, but they, by faith, are plunging themselves into the blood. We see their faith here being pointed to as they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Verse 15, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence, literally to tabernacle over them, to encompass them. And then quoting from Isaiah 49 verse 10 says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. The lamb will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, not simply because... Real and practical food has been provided for them. But because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And these, the elect, those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, will exist continually, eternally in the presence of the Word. He Himself will be their sustenance, their light. Just as when we were reading in Matthew 25, and Jesus said, to the one that was hungry you fed, to the one that was thirsty you gave drink, to the one that was naked you clothed, sick and in prison you visited. It's not just talking about physical food. It's not just talking about physical drink. He's saying to those that you brought the word of God, to those that you brought the spirit of God, to those that you clothed in robes of righteousness to cover their sin, those that you visited while they were in prison and you ripped them out of the prison and brought them into freedom in Christ. These are the ones that you've done to the least of these, my brothers. Is it not talking about physical food? And it's not not talking about physical food. We should clothe and feed when we can, but it is most importantly talking about spiritual food, spiritual covering, spiritual drink. Even as, hear me, in Revelation, it is most importantly speaking. of the sustenance of Christ Himself. There will be no hunger. And we will eat. But nothing will satisfy in the way that the very presence of Christ Himself will satisfy us on that day. When the Lamb will forever shepherd His people. And we shall not want. Neither shall we be afraid. For He will wipe every tear from our eye. Church, this is what we are called to look forward to. It's what we're called to remind each other about. It's something that should cause us to worship. It's something that should cause us to forget, even if for a moment, the cares of the world as we remember that we are being ushered, we are being shepherded by Christ through His Word, into glory.
And for those who are set over the household, it is a call to us to remember to be faithful and vigilant and alert and help all the household of faith to do the same. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. May it attend this ordination process today. And God, in this call to us, will you, yourself, by your spirit, through your word, make us watchful, make us alert, make us vigilant. In Jesus' name, amen.